0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric here with IRAC Veteran 88. Today, I've got another gun gripe episode for you. I've got a special guest today. This is Othias with uh, C&R.
1: And we thought that it would be interesting to do a gun gripe. I want gripe. to point out that this man is a horrible, horrible monster. He makes money and sells videos based on guns bathed in human blood. Millserp Morality.
0: Okay, this is, a, this is sort of an interesting talking point we came up with, but this is one that I've actually discovered a little bit uh, over the years. I have heard this argument posed. The argument basically entails that, oh, these older guns have bodies on them or, or were used in some type of warfare or some type of battle or war, and you know, it's disrespectful to the dead to own them or it's disrespectful to the people that lost their lives to own them. I've heard that question kind of posed in some circles, I personally don't understand it. I mean, would a museum not take in a, a, a cool piece of history just because it was involved in, uh, in a historical conflict or something? No, obviously not. Um, there are some people out there, though, that question the morality of owning older guns based on their service history, based on what they've done, where they've been.
1: And in some cases, you know, human well, lives have been taken the, with some of these old guns. The argument would be, let's, if it's in a museum, then it's hallowed. Like, for some reason, if it's up on right. a display and it's owned publicly or maybe by a private museum, but it's the word museum. It feels heavy and dense. And don't get me wrong, I find a lot of value in museums. I work with them all the time. Sure. I, I love that people support museums, and I want them to feel hallowed, but they're wielding this sense of if you have a if you as a private owner have this gun as a toy because that's how they by the way that's the way they always view it they always say this is a toy to you well now you're playing with something that was a weapon that was in a conflict and they think that just because you can have fun with something like this having fun with something that was also potentially lethal to somebody else means inherently that you must be glorying in the suffering, yeah, or of somebody glorifying else. the right. suffering of somebody.
0: Right. That's a very valid point. I mean, it, you know, I think that for most of us, and I can, I'm sure that I can speak for a when I to say this, is that I think that it's more about preserving history. I know we've said it in previous videos. Hell, he he and I have even probably said it in previous gun gripes. But it is ultimately about preserving history and about preserving, uh, you know, these old guns for future generations to enjoy. Um, I think for many of us, it's, it's an engineering thing as well. I mean, there's a lot of interesting engineering that goes into these old firearms. So from an engineering perspective, it's really cool to see the design aspects, you know, where different guns borrow design aspects from previous models, you know, and it, it sort of shows you the lineage of a certain type of a firearm design. And I think that for some of us, it's, it's more of a technology thing, and you're really interested in the different mechanisms and how they work and everything like that. But then, too, even if you're just studying engineering in school and you don't even like guns, you still have to respect the engineering prowess of people like John Browning and all of these other folks who, you know, really designed some awesome, awesome, awesome firearms. Um, you know, firearms can be used for good and for evil. And in many cases, you have to think that a service rifle is that soldier's companion. And you have to respect that rifle. In my opinion. I, well, I believe I, that you're honestly a shepherd for this rifle.
1: You're, you're, a, you're a guardian. You're, you're just keeping it safe. I've, anyway. I've said it before. There's very few things that are as intimate as the service rifle or the service handgun. Because in a lot of cases, when you picture an old conflict, there's... You know, we talk about... We do World War I on our show, right? Sure. So most deaths are actually from something like artillery or attacks, like that big mass, uh, dan- you know, ordnance-style stuff. Yeah. But when you talk about the human element in a war... You're a lone soldier, you're 16, 17, 18, 19. I mean, this is the age range for most of these guys. You're Young adults who are issued at best something like this usually. I mean, you might be a machine gunner, you might be someone that has a lot more training on that one system. But generally, most people who went into that war and died went in with something like this. And when they, when they were at rest or when things were getting ready to heat up, this is what they reached for. And this is on a one-man-to-one-man one level. This is what they bet their lives on. And so, yes, you could you you could potentially be a bad person that just glories in the idea that this may have killed somebody. Or you could just think of it in terms of this was somebody's hope. This was their way. They were thrust into this. And this, as gruesome as it is, is their way out. So there's a lot of perspective. By the way, there's lots of gray between. There's all sorts of ways sure. to think about this stuff. But yeah. on the personal level, you can read it two ways easily. Now, in the macro, gun history is world history. And I actually get a I little agree. personally offended that it's been forgotten so we hear about uh the assembly line with ford and interchangeable parts in the assembly line with ford the interchangeable parts in the assembly line i'm sorry were mostly from colt and the reason why is not because of you know just pure inventiveness but necessity breeds invention we had a frontier army and we needed to be able to change parts in the field we didn't want field armors having to hand fit all the parts interchangeable parts was a military necessity for firearms. So, Colt works off interchange. Everybody was working towards interchangeable parts. And it's not like somebody thought it up and went, oh, we want it, but you have people competing to get this technology under control, and it happens in fits and spurts, and the best way to see that is by owning individual pieces from those periods, because you can see guns that have nearly interchangeable parts. Agreed. and then The almost barely imperceptibly hand-fit parts, and the next thing you know, we got drop-in parts, and that is not... that's not a smooth and short transition a
0: lot of innovations come from the firearms industry and from the firearms or the military industrial complex not only firearms but also large pieces of military equipment you get into tanks you get into vehicles and things that's a whole nother uh, you know bag of apples but i think my perspective with Syrups, i I do like the one thing that you said about it, it being someone's hope you know a rifle is a person's companion, and w- you know when you're at your darkest time when you're when you're overseas when you're you're in a war you know it's it's an ugly thing and and you feel like there there's no friend anywhere, yeah, maybe the man to your left and right's your friend, but the one f- true friend you know is there for you is always going to be a rifle and I think that for me that there is a personal aspect to it. I feel a personal responsibility to protect these pieces and uh to to Honor the people that used them. Now, now, granted, I've got rifles on this table that, you know, yeah, we were at war with the Japanese at one point. This was, at one point, our enemy's rifle. But you still have to respect the fact, you have to still respect the man for fighting for his country. And I feel that it's important to protect these things. It's not, oh, that's the bad guy's gun. Oh, well, you're a bad guy if you own the bad guy's gun. It's not that. It's not that at all. It's about preserving the history because world conflicts breed a lot of... <laughs> ugly things sometimes. And, you know, yeah, people get in, in, in the gun fights, and it's it's ugly, right? But I, I like the perspective of that these rifles are someone's companion. Someone loved and cherished this gun. Now, they may not have wanted to be in the situation they were in, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that in a lot of situations, th- this gun might have been the only hope that person had of surviving. And in some cases, they might have not won. They might have lost. They might have died, right? Or You never know. This 9130 right here, this is an older one. Definitely like first, you know, this this rifle right here definitely saw some service. It's got multiple stock repairs. And in my mind, I, I suppose there's a part of me that wants to think that this man survived. Okay? I don't like to think about it in a grim cons- concept of, oh, well, this thing got picked up four times on the battlefield by four different people because they lost their lives using it. I like to think about a little more positive end. I'd like to think that maybe this guy lived and went on to be an old man, take well, care of his family. Let's, you know?
1: let's be fair. Let's say we remember the people that died or the people that killed. Is it bad to remember them? Because just knowing a story doesn't mean that you agree with the story. And I think if you ignore human nature, or if you ignore the actual account of what is happening... The human condition. I mean, knowing war is bad would probably help a lot of people to not try to incite the next war. I mean, it it seems silly, but... It's like you go for a number of years of peace, and then people get fidgety, and they just want to poke. And they feel safe, and they want to poke. And they want to poke. And sometimes it's good to remember that... How good we have it right now, even. Like, you know, sure. we're not being drafted to go wield one of these at somebody or take a shot from one of these. Right now, things are okay. And maybe they won't be someday later. And maybe it's important to remember these lessons. So, and by the way, maybe they're not. Like, let's say all that's unimportant. Are we just going to ignore history or are we going to ignore reality? And then on top of all that, once you have it, and let's say you appreciate all that, is it some sin to have fun? by acknowledging the enjoyable aspects of something that also has negative aspects? Uh, absolutely not. I think there's nothing
0: wrong with it at all. and in, in fact, it would be the equivalent of saying that it's this rifle's fault as to why World War II happened, or you know what I mean? No, as the, to why, uh, this rifle doesn't know anything. This rifle's just a tool. This is literally just wood and metal and nothing. This mm-hmm. rifle doesn't have a soul, it doesn't, it's the, the person behind this gun is what makes this gun make its decision. So you can't blame the tool. It's, it's the same thing as people saying, oh, well, assault weapon this and assault weapon that, and oh, strict gun laws this and strict gun laws that. I mean, you start getting into this regulating of morality to where, oh, well, we have to regulate the device in order to regulate morality when it's really a people problem and not an actual gun problem. There is no such thing as gun issue or gun violence. It's people violence. Yeah. And this is the same thing. These are tools. They're capable of doing good and evil and varying amounts of anything in between. So, you know, it's I believe important to remember the men that use these, good and bad. But, you know, like the man that the man that fought with this Arasaka, he's not here anymore. He's gone. But I feel a personal responsibility to make sure when I own these guns, I take care of them, I keep them clean, I keep them in shooting condition, and I take them out and I shoot them and enjoy them. Yeah, the man might have been our enemy at one point. He's not my enemy. He's never done anything bad to me directly. I mean, so I just don't think about it in those terms. I know some people probably go down the rabbit hole
1: of, oh, why would you want to own the bad guy's gun? I don't think about it like that at all. You know, I think in the simplest possible terms is, uh, you know, World War One again, that's our show. Sure. Uh, the whole thing was started with an FN 1910 pistol in 380. There was an assassin. He took the pistol. He shot the Archduke. And then a cascade of events. And by the way... Duke ba- Ferdinand. Yeah. Bad politics, all this stuff. Because it's hard to say. People always like to say Gabriel the Princip started it. But realistically, nationalism on the rise, lots of conflict in Europe. People are ready for it. And this is the spark, right? Sure. So we know... One handgun, quote-unquote, sparked and started started the war. The problem is, it could have been... This is the interesting thing. As far as I know, four handguns were turned in that day, and they didn't figure out which serial belonged to the actual assassin because they got they rounded up four guys. So we have a pack of four. One of them did it. We don't know which one. At that point, you might realize it doesn't matter because the gun did not start the war. The man who wielded it ignited... The feelings that already existed that started the war. So it's not even, you can't even get down to one man. I mean, not unless you go back to where kings would just point people at each other and get into fights over it. So, in the modern context, especially, the guns don't start the war, the people behind them do. And you can use any number of tools to start a conflict like that. Very valid point.
0: Very valid point. I think we hit on it pretty good there. I mean, this is a question that we've actually gotten before, but, and, you know, Matthias and I, we started kind of talking about gun gripe ideas, and this is something that we thought would be something fun to talk about because his channel, CN Arsenal, you know, they deal a lot in historical firearms, and it's not just short videos. I mean, they're long documentary-style videos, and they really get into the nuts and bolts of a lot of this old history, and it's really important for us to understand our past so we know where we're going to go in the future, and part of knowing what's going on moving forward is knowing the past, knowing not to repeat the past. And, you know, there are historical consequences to certain actions, and and the tools used are pretty interesting footnote in their own right. I, I, I do find that the tools to be pretty interesting. So, um, we we love old older guns on this channel. I love vintage pieces. Uh, I've been collecting a long time, and I'm never going to stop. I really enjoy... Uh, sort of being a, a shepherd for these, uh, for these pieces. And that's the way I look at it. I'm sort of just the, the protector. I'm the custodian of these guns. They're not my guns, right? They're going to be someone else's one day. And then after that person's gone, they're going to be another person's one day. I'm just a custodian for these pieces. It, it's my job to preserve them, keep them clean, make sure they don't go south in terms of condition, shoot them, enjoy them, play with them. But ultimately, they're not mine. They're the original person that was they were issued to or the original government that owned them. They're not mine. I, I look at it as a custodianship, and I think that's a, a pretty interesting way to, to no, think about as it. As a
1: matter of fact, I'm glad. I, I know a lot of people who have learned more about other nations' history, about other nations' cultures. They have a better appreciation for the world around them. I know people who have told me that their understanding of geography improved sure. when they started collecting old guns. Oh, yeah. Because it was just... It changes your world it's perspective. The you can you can get an appreciation like it's almost like the the zen monks or something. They say that you know you can meditate or you can do this or yoga or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's all these ways to enlightenment, let's say. Sure. Well, when it comes to understanding the world around you, you can find any number of things that act as a carrier for that information. We have to find something that you that you have in common with other parts of the
0: world. Well, if what you have in common is that you love all the different world's fi- part, firearms from all around the world, if that's what it takes for you to know where, you know, Austria Hungary, where that empire right. was, or to know, you know, so you ask an average person where Sweden is. Where's Sweden on the map? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he, not... people don't understand. Okay, where's Finland? Where's Finland in relation to Russia? And, you know, so you start learning about, like, the M39, then learn about the Winter War. You learn about all the different, the conflict between Russia and Finland. Okay, well, then then geog- you know geographically, yeah. oh, wow, that's Finland, that's Russia. It, it, and you start to get a lot better perspective about the world when you really study the battles that these guns were used in. I, I think that really provides I mean, some perspective. You,
1: you already said it. You feel a more personal responsibility and connection to a man that fought against this country 60-odd years ago. Yeah. And... The, do you have hate in your heart for him? Do you do you glory in his hate? No. You go, wow, that was an unfortunate situation. I see how these governments stacked against each other. I see how they were led into this conflict. Sure. And you can understand some nuance to it. But not only that, you understand that there's a human being on the other side of that. And he could have done good. He could have done evil. And just... It's not so much that you have to love that man. It's that you understand another human being. And this is the medium for that understanding. I
0: agree completely.
1: That That's a very, very important aspect of what
0: drives me as a collector is to Really understand the the situation the soldier was in when he was behind the gun And when we do videos, you know, we like to get out and shoot these old guns And I I like to try to think about it like hey I'm putting myself in the shoes of this person that wielded this gun I mean to try to think what could have went through their mind That's a very interesting thing to be in and firearms are a very unique characteristic in that You know, I mean, how many, it's a very unique way for you to, to get, to put yourself in this person's shoes The first thing,
1: we went on the range. The first thing you said when handed the show, Sean, trying to get the sight picture and understand the what before charging it, before doing anything else, you go, how can you be handed this? And you're going to be shot at while trying to, not that, you know, they've been trained beforehand, but, you know, you're trying to get your head here, you're trying to see this, this is what you're looking at, this is what you're feeling, and you're being shot at, and you're being shelled, and this is your Tuesday. Uh, and he just, like he had, you had to take a whole moment to be like, I'm glad I'm sitting right here right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm in peacetime and not
0: and having to be shot at, for sure. Right. Well, guys, um, thanks so much for watching today's video. We really appreciate all of you as viewers. And, uh, you know, anytime you have a gun gripe idea, don't hesitate to email us. Let us know. And uh, I, I know I can probably speak for Othias when I say that those of you that support us both on Patreon, uh, we are a supporter of CN Arsenal on Patreon. Uh, But those of you that support both of us or other content creators that you love to watch, consider supporting folks on Patreon. If you consume their content and you love it, consider donating a buck or so. It helps these content creators out quite a bit. Also, you know, we sell man cans to help support the channel if that's something you guys are interested in helping us out. To support our channel, that's a way you can do it. We also sell uh, t-shirts over enforcement freedom. If you check out the shirts, all the money that we get from shirt sales goes right back
1: into supporting the channel. You sell shirts too? Yeah, we um, we actually do fundraisers twice a year, so we do prints cool. and shirts, and there's some things on our website in terms of print media. So the the thing is, I don't know about you guys, yeah. without Patreon especially, and then these other little projects, I I just can't do the job. I know. That, that's what it is. It's it's the way to get the job done. Our viewers are literally the the
0: lifeblood of how our channels. Uh, respectively are allowed to continue operating and uh, most importantly, make sure you go over and subscribe to CN Arsenal check out all their content they're putting out some really good stuff. Oths uh, has been down here for the last few days we've been doing some work together, some filming so expect some machine gun videos, expect some more gun gripes. Uh, it's always fun to get a fellow enthusiast in the house and come up with some cool talking points. So expect more content guys thank you so much for watching today's video. we'll see you next time.